Welcome to another episode of University and Everything in Between, as I'm about to show Pippa. We've gone a bit festive this week. Um, on my left, Pippa, you might be able to see. I'm not sure if you can see it on the Zoom call. But on my left, there's some festive uh, Christmas trees. I'll grab one. Why not grab one? Look, I've got these <laughs> put, on the, put on the side. And on the right, which you might be able to see better, is a, uh, is a nutcracker. So, oh, he's uh, snazzy. Yeah, my mum was very proud of those. And on the uh, on the mic arm, we've got some lights. I'm not sure if you can see those. <laughs> they but, are very jazzy. I'm a fan of the fairy lights. Yeah, we, we, the production budgets are going up and up and up every episode. <laughs> but how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to chatting. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very good. But I have to say, you're probably one of the most impressive guests that I've had on. Um, you sent me a lovely email just before we've gone to record this and I've I've added all the additions but I found it very funny that you were almost talking down the fact that you didn't have more than one book published now it's like that's more than I've got that's more than a lot of people have got <laughs> one day I will have more than one book published but like I feel like I don't know I always do this like whenever I do anything like this I just inherently kind of feel like I need to play it down and manage people's expectations I have no idea why but it's just a thing oh you've got you've got a Oh, you've really got to like big yourself up. That's something that, <laughs> yeah, that I think we, we've got to spread that message a bit more. But yeah, you're a blogger, you're a you're a writer, you've got a book published and two ebooks that you're on your website, which are fascinating, all about you know your experience at university with a hidden Ill, um, with an invisible illness, and you know how to study in lockdown as well, which we're going to touch on a little bit, um, and obviously raising awareness for what you've been going through and what your life is like and it's fascinating to read and I enjoyed reading some of the stuff that's online um, and you just provide advice and tips to students and young people and I think that was the, one of the main reasons why I got in touch with you because um, you're a very interesting person and I think you've got a lot to, to, to share with the world beyond just what you write on the page even if it is very fascinating to read. Can you just quickly break down what your illness is and what you experience day to day? So my illness is ME, which stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis, bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes known as chronic fatigue syndrome, but a lot of people with the condition don't like that name because it trivializes it to an extent. Um, ME is a neurological condition. Um, it affects people in very different ways, but some of the characteristic symptoms are things like debilitating fatigue, chronic pain, um, cognitive difficulties, so things like brain fog and short-term memory loss. Um, there's something called post-exertional malaise, which is where you do an activity at one time and you don't feel the kind of payback or impact of that until a much later time. Um, noise and light sensitivity, like allergies and chemical sensitivities. Just a whole host of really fun symptoms like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's I think that's basically all you need to know. Um, there isn't um, a cure for the condition at the minute, and there isn't targeted treatment. Um, there isn't a great deal of research going on at the minute, so people tend to manage their symptoms through um, activity management and something called pacing, which is the concept of resting before you get tired. Which, as a student, that just completely goes out of the window. To be honest, it's much yeah. easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's that's Emmy in a nutshell. Apologies if you've been asked that many, many times. I imagine you've been asked that question many, many times. I know you've been on the ra <laughs> I know you've been on like radio shows and like um, local news broadcasters and stuff like that. But just for context, it's helpful. 
no it, I've got much better at like slimming down my definition of it like <laughs> over the years like there was a time where I just did not know where to start with it but yeah <laughs> you, you, you'll be making a presenter of yourself yet yeah, you never know like <laughs> <laughs> I can do but um just to give you the quick opportunity if there's anything you want to shout out that you're doing that you've done in the last few weeks or months or anything that's coming up 30 seconds the stage is yours i like to do this with some of the guests just tell people what's going on what should people be checking out whether it's a new book or ebook what's going on okay elevator pitch okay i can do this (laughs) um so yeah in a nutshell like you said i'm a writer and a blogger my blog is at life of pippa um i do a lot of stuff on instagram which is also life of pippa Um, I'm not working on anything major at the moment, but I've been doing a lot of things in the charity sector. So I work for a small charity called Astrid, which is an online platform that matches talented, chronically ill people with inclusive employment opportunities. Um, We're coming to the end of the year now, so I've kind of been winding down. But yeah, just starting to turn my thoughts towards 2021 and whatever the heck that year is going to bring. Because I think what we've all seen this year Mm. is that anything can happen. Anything, anything. I I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm ready to start thinking about it yet. <laughs> I'm no. trying to just look forward to Christmas and then we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> One day at a time. We'll do Christmas and then we'll deal with whatever comes next. Exactly. But you, obviously, as you say, you're doing a lot of interesting things since you've graduated. And a lot of what this is going to focus on is back, sort of casting your mind back if you can. I imagine it's quite a while. How long has it been since you've graduated? Oh, goodness. I graduated in 2016 and it honestly feels like another lifetime ago. It's absolutely bizarre. It's like (laughs) four years isn't that long of a time, but it honestly seems like a whole, it feels like it was a decade ago. And yet at the same time, it also feels like yesterday. It's so strange. Yeah. I imagine that a lot of people are going to go through that experience when they graduate. And I'm interested to find out anything that you've got to say about graduate life. And we're going to get to that in a bit. <laughs> it's put the fear of God in me, maybe, or like, you know, maybe put my hopes up, who knows. But just to sort of kick it off, um, which university did you go to? So I went to the Uni of York. I started hey. in 2013. Yeah, best uni, <laughs> not that we're biased at all. But you know. Not at all. Um, yeah, started in 20, 2013. I yep. studied psychology in education and like I said, graduated in 2016. God, I did. I, <laughs> Uni of York's a great one, isn't it? I'm in my final year there, so it's uh, it's exciting to talk to another person who's from the Uni of York. I don't know if you've kept yeah. up. I don't know if you've kept up with any of the sort of influencers. I say that in inverted commas that have come out of um, Uni of York, but I've spoke to Jay Foreman, who's a pretty big YouTuber. Um, student vlogs. Uh, there was who's called Dylan, um, Rhiannon. Uh, Faye, there's loads of people that I spoke to from Uni of York, so it's great to add like another one to uh, to the roster, as it were. But overall, as you're sort of now going to be thinking about back at university again, how do you how do you look back on on those years? Is it is it with a relative fondness, or or when you talk about how it's been so long those four years that you feel like it's kind of almost another another time, another you know you've it's a completely separate part of your life now what what, how do you look back on it yeah I mean like you say it does almost feel like a separate part of your life because as I'm sure you know when you're a student you do kind of live in that uni bubble like it's Mm. almost as if the world outside fails to exist sometimes you're very much caught up in the here and now um but generally speaking like during my student experience there were ups and downs um but when I look back I do look back fondly like I absolutely loved my uni years I think my student years were some of the best of my life and Mm. yeah when I do look back it's always with a kind of oh goodness like 
I simultaneously wish that I was back and then simultaneously feel really relieved that I don't have to do it all again. <laughs> there are some elements that you don't miss, let's be honest. <laughs> no, definitely like living not. living in shared student houses is fun for a bit, but you have to like you have to move on. <laughs> You've just got to. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness, there are so many like invisible challenges with like but it's exactly the same like when I'm sat here now in my flat and it's clean and it's nice and quiet I can say oh I really miss student accommodation I really miss Mm. being in those like flats with like the dingy curtains and the tiny tiny bathrooms but like yeah if I were to go back maybe I'd like it for about a week and then I'd be like okay now I'm over this yeah it's one of those things that you you and you think about in terms of nostalgia and then you actually go back and it's not as good as you remember and I can tell you one thing for sure you would not be able to have that amazing color coordinated bookcase back in a shared student house I could tell you that (laughs) oh well that's the deal breaker then I mean if this bookcase can't come with me wherever I go next then I'm not going like it's honestly it brings me too much joy (laughs) (laughs) I can tell is that like a lockdown project or something that you've done or just just your personality and it's just my personality it's very concerning like I've always been like this as soon as I got my own place I was like well obviously the priority is going to be rainbow bookshelves (laughs) (laughs) like I'm a big reader and honestly like because I'm not well a lot of the time I end up flat out on the sofa so just being able to look at the glorious books and feel like I've got my life in like some sort of shape and order it works makes, yeah <laughs> makes, makes you feel a little bit better for like a short period of time looking at it yeah I can for imagine sure. but now obviously as you say you've you've graduated for four years you, you've got your own flat what is what is the world like after graduating I mean for you it's quite different because you've had lots of different opportunities um, and you've done lots of different things and you're working with charities but on the whole if you could sort of like maybe sum up your experience or what people maybe have to expect when they graduate? I think the thing is, when you're in your final years of uni, I think everyone has a very set idea of what graduate life is going to look like. And in many cases, that's a very typical sort of non-pandemic times I'm talking about here. But like people Mm. think they're going to be securing like a graduate role. They're going to be working in an office nine till five. Um, They sort of think that is like the general structure their life is going to take. Whereas now like the employment sector is changing so much and like i think one of the positives that has come out of the whole pandemic situation is that people are realizing that the path into graduate life and the path into your career doesn't have to be as set as people seem to think it is and that's definitely something that rung true for me so um even though i obviously had like a very unique situation where i was dealing with like a fluctuating illness as well Mm. like um it's really opened my eyes as to how many different ways there are to get into the sort of field that you want to get into so like um yeah my advice would probably be like it's good to have expectations but don't feel like you're stuck with those expectations because you just never know what's going to happen so don't be afraid to do things a little bit differently yeah i think there's generally a lot of worry at least what i've seen um in like current third years in terms of the job market and the world that they're going into at the minute um do you think there's do you think there's some level of comfort in the fact that many students are entering into the same environment whether it means that they can now have access to a lot of the same opportunities because a lot of stuff's moving online in terms of interviews and you know um working from home a bit more and you know there's less of a stress of having to commute or maybe make a big move to somewhere you know like a big city do you think do you think it's almost leveled the playing field a bit more or, or do you think it's maybe limited some of opportunities that have otherwise usually been around? I think it's definitely leveled the playing field. Like in so many ways, um, working from, from home and having the flexibility on the part of employers 
has actually inadvertently removed a lot of the barriers that people can face. So when I graduated back then, all those years ago, even though it wasn't that many years ago, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that old yet. Um, yeah, one of the biggest struggles I had was finding a job where I could work from home because that was something that I needed um, for my health condition. And it was so difficult to trawl through all the job sites and just trying to find opportunities where you could work from home. And it got to a mm. point where like, I wasn't even pursuing jobs that I was particularly interested in or that they oh were in the God, sector yeah. that I wanted to go into. I was just trying to find work from home. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to now, um, even if this situation, well, this situation isn't forever. And even if the work from home situation isn't forever, just people having that way in and having that barrier removed, I think that could have a really positive impact on a lot of people. Yeah. I think choosing to be a writer as well is a great way of working from home. <laughs> I've but, essentially yeah. tried to shape my career where I can like plan my working day around watching this morning and like oh my staying in my pajamas, <laughs> like taking breaks whenever I want. I had it all sussed out right yeah. from the beginning. Did you see the did you see the pantomime? I think it was on this morning that they did. Is that what's watching it? <laughs> It was, um, it was, it was, oh, I so badly wanted to be like, oh, this is so great and so festive. But like, I actually had to stop watching it because it was making me feel a bit ragey. Oh dear. I thought it was a bit of fun, but, <laughs> but, but anyway. I do like Alison Hammond as a fairy. I can get on board with that. Okay. Yeah. We can get on board with at least a little bit of that experience, but, <laughs> but yeah, sort of now circling back to talk about the university experience. I, so I thought that my start to university was quite challenging, right? Um, sort of you know that imposter syndrome the you know anxiety that you know worries about making friends and things like that but honestly I'd say that you probably take the cake and this is not a competition at all but in terms of from reading your blog you know you talked about not being able to leave your flat or your house pretty much teaching the degree to yourself um barely going out barely having time to go outside and you know interact with people in that way and when I was sort of researching you and reading about that stuff that you'd experienced at university, and we spoke about this in the pre-interview, and it was almost like the light bulb went off and it was like, there is such a similarity between that experience that you had all those years ago when everyone else was just going through university very, very normally in inverted commas. And there's such a similarity to the way students are experiencing that now. And I hear about it all the time where, and I've personally experienced it this last term, just basically doing my degree in my bedroom, in, in my house in third year. And, it, and it's just not the same at all. How do you see that experience that students are currently going through now compared to how you had to do it? And what advice do you have particularly? Yeah, it's um, it's such a tricky one. And I really feel for the students who are in that kind of environment now, because like you spend all your final years of school thinking about university and all the fun experiences you're going to have. And you have like, generally speaking, you have like set ideas of what your uni life is going to look like. And I don't think anybody on the planet would have imagined that their uni life would look like this. No. Um, I would be inclined to say that there must be like a little bit of comfort and solidarity for the people who are going through it now, knowing that everybody else is in the same boat. Um, not that it makes it any easier, but um, I, one of the distinct things I remember from my own experience, um, because of the fact that everyone around me was having that typical student experience and that experience that I had enjoyed myself before my health really declined. Um, I did find that quite isolating and I did very much feel like I was alone because I was stuck in my bedroom feeling like I was actually about to drop dead sometimes, to be honest, while I was 
seeing all my friends going out and doing all of these really fun things even on social media you couldn't get away from it because everyone was like posting all their highlights you know how it is Mm. um but yeah there are so many similarities between uh what I went through back then where I was very much um I felt very much on my own with it um and I was like teaching my degree to myself because my uni wouldn't make reasonable adjustments um and yeah what people are going through now where they're having this experience but I think um something that is a constant for myself back then and what people are going through now is that at the end of the day you do just have to make the best of it and it's so much easier said than done and it's miserable and nobody wants to be doing it but um this is the student experience that we've got and we've just got to try and do what we can with it and just try and make the most of it I suppose yeah it's a it's a challenging one and it's a tricky one to even attempt to to figure out what to do it's like I know some people who've seriously regretted choosing to come to university this year um, in first year and like people in third year who are, you know, struggling to motivate themselves to finish assessments and, you know, actually connect with their degree. Um, and then people who graduated last year who were pretty much at the beginning of that sort of when the pandemic hit and who missed their graduation entirely and it was online and like... I can't imagine what that must have been like. Such an anticlimax to the end of a degree um, to have to do an online graduation. Yeah, I um, I don't envy people having to do an online graduation. Like those things are long ceremonies, even in person. So like an online one must be a whole new realm of torture. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I actually managed to get a sneak preview of what it looked like. And it was literally just a PowerPoint where they scrolled the names up like the credits at the end of a movie. <laughs> absolutely not no no thank you it's a no from me (laughs) it's literally like university end credits like the title roles like that's that's such a weird experience to have for the end of your university degree it's mad i hope they played it's the final countdown in the background if not that was a real missed opportunity (laughs) obviously you wrote an entire sort of ebook about current sort of activities in terms of studying in lockdown and motivating tips and advice what were, what are some like good bits that you say that people should bear in mind when trying to teach themselves a degree bearing in mind you had to do almost the same thing four years ago yeah um I think the main thing I would say is that when you're sitting down and you're thinking I've got all of this content ahead of me and I've somehow got to take all of this in and I'm doing it very much alone it can feel really overwhelming um so I would kind of really take some time um, to look at the course as a whole and then start breaking things down in a way that makes sense to you, whether that's by modules or whether that's by how much you feel you can realistically study in a day. Um, And even if you feel like you're not doing as much as you think you're supposed to be doing or what you think everybody else is doing, which in itself, like comparison is such an evil thing in lockdown, but Mm. um, just like breaking it down as much as you can. And even if you feel like you're taking baby steps, like doing those baby steps is better than doing nothing at all. Um, And I do think that when you break things down, rather than trying to like bulldoze through the whole thing, I think it's easier to find and keep motivation. Um, Because like you get this like feeling of like ticking things off one thing at a time. and I do think like, again, it's it's a really tricky situation and it's really mm. difficult to offer concrete advice, but like, I would just say, focus on you, find uh, ways and of studying and breaking things down that work for you. And just, you do you, it doesn't matter what everyone else around you is doing, like you do you. It's so hard to focus on your own sort of progress, isn't it? When you're getting inundated 
by everyone else's progress. And I've spoken to people on the podcast before about feeling self-worth when you see so much of things on social media. And I'm sure this was an experience that you had, as you mentioned, when you were at uni and you felt like you were missing out on that experience so much. Um, And then the fact that social media has such a almost power over your perception of the rest of sort of uni, the rest of the world, the rest of people's social lives and how much that can impact as well. And it's worrying for sure. It's worrying for sure, especially when, you know, younger people and people who will be coming to uni in future years rely so much heavy, so much more on social media. Um, and I just wondered when you were going through that period, whether it was the worst in first year, second year, whatever, whether it got better, was it things like family and friends connections that helped you personally get through that? Or was it, was it something else that, that was it societies? What was going on? Um, in a, in a big way, it was, um, my university friends and my housemates, like, um, we had a really solid friendship group. They're, they're still some of my favorite people who I still see as much as I can. Um, and like, even just chatting absolute rubbish with them, like it just, it really did keep my spirits up and like to give credit to them. I was during my uni years, I was at a point where I was still very much in denial that I was ill. Um, and the fact that I wasn't actually really communicating with them and they didn't really fully understand what I was going through. Despite that, I could tell they were still doing what they could to make sure that I still felt included. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, so I had my uni friends in real life, but it was also around this time that I first discovered the chronic illness community online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has completely transformed my life for the better because for the first time, um, I was using social media and I was actually seeing other people like me and people who I could very much relate to. So it started balancing out like the highlights reels that I was seeing um, elsewhere. And it did kind of show like I'm not alone in this, even though it feels like there were so many times where I felt like I was completely alone and nobody in the universe could possibly understand. When in reality, there were all these people out there who were documenting their own experiences. And in doing that, they were showing me that I wasn't alone and there was a community who understood. Yeah. Has that made you has that made you realize that how important it is to share your story almost? Because I think that was something that you weren't it sort of relates back to how you were saying that you don't back yourself when you've got a book published. But it's it's like, do you almost now realize how important it is to share these kinds of stories and also sort of mirrors what I'd originally hoped this podcast to be? And I feel like it's getting there. It's not a hundred percent there yet, obviously. Nothing's perfect, nothing's complete. Um but do you understand like the importance of sharing stories and how you've probably impacted a lot of people since you've discovered this community and started writing about your experience? It was like, it's it's a funny one because it's never something I set out to do. Like it was after finding the online chronic illness community that I did feel like a slight pull to start documenting my own experiences. Um, I never really set out to kind of like raise awareness or like all of that jazz, but um like the more my audience grew and the more I connected with other people, the more important I realized it was to be authentic and have integrity. And I do mm-hmm. feel like that sometimes is lost in the influencer community, speaking very generally, of course. Um, and even now I get messages from people saying, oh, how do you have it so together? And it's like when I get that, that like I feel like compelled to share like I feel like I need to make more of an effort even now to show the realities and show that I don't always get it right. There are times where I'm absolute trash as a human being, to be honest. Um, 
so it's it's a difficult it's a really difficult one like um because at the same time i want to show that it is possible to have a full and happy and positive life even with a really debilitating health condition which makes life more difficult and like people yeah. have been so kind to me and so lovely and like even I do feel guilty sometimes because I never set out to kind of like help people or raise awareness. It was very much like a self-indulgent thing and it was almost like therapy for me. Mm. But the, um, the I, it was actually just a couple of weeks ago, I got the message that like, it just meant more to me. Like people have been so kind, but the one that really stuck with me was somebody saying like, you showed me that it is possible to have a life that you love and a life you enjoy and you can still achieve your goals even when you're dealing with something like this. And that just meant everything, to be honest. That was the best thing. Yeah. It was something that I mentioned to you before as well. It's like the disability paradox where people believe that you can't have a fun and enjoyable life if you have such an almost debilitating disability or illness. And I'm glad that that's something that you've eventually realized. And I have a good friend called Darcy who I brought onto this podcast and we made a short film together. Um, and she's, you know, completely wheelchair bound and, you know, she interacts with the world in a different way. And people I've noticed, and I mentioned to you this before, people I've noticed react to her in very different ways. And it's interesting to see how, even though she's one of the most, like, she loves life so much and she's one of the most energetic and fun people. But, you know, some people don't have time for her or, you know, sometimes treat her with almost too much sympathy to the point where it becomes like I don't want to be negative and say like it's patronizing but it's mm. it's almost like you can tell she gets it and she just wants you to move on and just you know get to the point and and you know stop treating her like something's massively different when it's technically not really um, yeah that's the thing it's a really tricky line to balance and it, again there's such variability within disability in different conditions and even within the same condition like no two people's lived experiences are the same so like my condition is a chronic illness called ME which stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis um, you, you, can, you can say that again yeah <laughs> <laughs> can't say that after having a few shots in the evening no. <laughs> um, and like yeah it's really tricky especially being online and being in the line of work that I do like you want to communicate that this illness like there is so much stigma around this illness and it is so like it's horrible to live with to be honest and I wouldn't wish it on anybody and like we do need support and adjustments um like in both the medical sense and the societal sense um we do we should have access to that kind of support but at the same time like you said we don't want to be patronized we don't want to be viewed as any less uh, we just want to be on an equal playing field with everybody else at the end of the day and like um, like with your friend Darcy, I get people, even if I'm not talking about my disability, I'll be doing something online and I'll get people saying like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. And it's like, no, it's like, don't. Why? <laughs> I like my life. Yeah. Like, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> exactly. God. You don't want people to be, yeah, as you say, you don't want people to be over sympathetic. It just becomes borderline annoying at that point. Yeah. But, Pat the nice little disabled person on the head. That's what uh, it feels like sometimes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you know it more than anyone. Um but circling back again to university, um, and, I, and this was something that you were like, I'm probably going to give you a controversial answer to this question, but I'm all here for it. I don't want it to be, you know, cookie cutter. I want honest answers. Um, but how important was it for you to complete university going through that period? Um, when you set out to go to university, obviously a lot of people have that expectation, that goal, that, that like set thing. 
and university can be a big stepping stone and completing it can mean a lot um what was it what was the case for you i um again it varies so much for disabled students and the fact that there are so many barriers that people face i think it's like it should never be seen as a failure um to have to drop out of uni or take time out or not finish your degree um and I mean, that goes for everybody, not just disabled students, because there can be so many different factors at play. Mm. Um, I felt like um, with the right support and adjustments, I felt like I was capable of finishing my degree. Um, so that was something that I was striving for. And there were times where I did think it wasn't going to happen. Um, there were even times where um, I would ask university disability services for reasonable adjustments and they would say, we can't do that. But if you're struggling that much, you should just have a year out instead. Um, which was a bit like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, so it was mm. definitely challenging, but um, it did feel reasonable to kind of um, strive for that, I suppose. But then in the same breath, like I would never want a disabled or chronically ill student to feel like um, finishing their degree and graduating is the ultimate end goal because there are so many barriers and so many individual challenges in that space of time that there are so many things within that you can learn so much from uni and you can achieve so much even without getting to the graduation stage. Yeah. I'm 100% an advocate of, you know, using university as a jumping off point for more than just your degree, way more than just your degree. Um, but were there any moments where you thought, obviously when the university was like, if you're really struggling, we'll give you a deferment, you know, take a year out, whether that actually helps or not, if you'd have taken a year out, may you have actually just gone you know what i'm pursuing this thing maybe university's not that actually important and maybe that's it and just move on um but were there any moments obviously because you wanted to finish university and you felt like you could were there any moments though that you thought that it wasn't going to happen and you were just like this is it this is the last straw it funnily enough it was that exact experience where i was like i what am i even doing here because like when they Again, it kind of reflects what's happening at the minute with the pandemic, because I very much took things into my own hands and I did things by myself. The only thing I asked of my university was whether lectures could be recorded so that I could watch them back because I wasn't physically well enough to leave my house and get to the lectures. Um, so when they turned around and said, no, we can't and we won't do that if you're struggling that much, then you should just have a year out instead. And it was very much said in a way where it wasn't like that was something they were suggesting to accommodate. They were suggesting yeah. it as if to say, like, you're not welcome here. And that was coming from disability services. Oh, my. Yeah, it was bad. And, like, knowing what I know now from other disabled students, like, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. Like, some of the things disabled students have heard is absolutely appalling. It's 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 bizarre. Um, so that was very much a moment, like, well, if, like, if that's the one thing I asked and they're not willing to accommodate that, then what am I even doing? Can I even yeah. do this? Um, and in a way it did kind of almost feel like a little victory when I then did go on to graduate and get a two one and get a degree I was happy with. It was like, well, um, but yeah, but that was the thing, like they weren't willing to record lectures then um, because it was too much work for them. But then suddenly the pandemic happened and almost overnight, everything was recorded and yeah. online. So it's it was standard like, practice now. Exactly. It was very interesting how like these th these things weren't possible until non-disabled students needed them too. It was very telling, I thought. Yeah. But I'm try I'm really trying not to be bitter about it because I'm glad that students now do have access to a bit more support in that way. That's fascinating. I didn't think about <laughs> it like that until you mentioned it. That's mad. 
and it's, it's shocking it's, it's whole thing <laughs> it's shocking as well that that's the university of york because i've spoken to a few people who've gone through different experiences as in terms of you know black lives matter as well and things like that and different and and as well sexual assault at the uni hasn't been dealt yeah. with great in the past um and so many different experiences that, that kind of surprise you for for a university that you think is pretty inclusive and pretty you know progressive with dealing with these sorts of issues but yeah it's kind of it's kind of shocking yeah it's um i mean like i'd be keen not to tarnish them with like in a totally negative way because there were some people there like my personal supervisor in my department who really fought my corner um she was a brilliant ally she really went out of her way to make sure that things were as okay as they can be um so whilst there are some people there who i did feel like went above and beyond like i definitely think not just in terms of disability but all the issues you mentioned there as well like there is definitely work to be done and in student culture as well not even just confined to specific unis i feel like things are improving but there's a long way to go in terms of diversity and equality for everybody absolutely couldn't agree more but obviously all of these issues stem from the fact that throughout your uni and throughout your life you've been having to deal with this invisible illness and at university you made the decision to on the whole not really tell many people about it that you were friends with what was what was the decision for that because in my mind it's helped me more and i'm sure you do it more now as well it's helped me more to share that experience more and tell people about it and i feel like hiding a big part of your life whilst at university from people who maybe you know, they probably couldn't do a whole lot, but, you know, sharing that, that issue or that worry might have helped a little bit in terms of, you know, them making you feel more included or, or put at ease a little bit more. What was the, what was the main reasons that, that you decided not to? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this, anyone who's dealing with an issue, like, please don't bottle it up. Like, please communicate as best as you can, because I wholeheartedly realize now that that is the best way to go about it. (laughs) Um, The issue I had back then was I was like, to cut a very long story short, I'd been mildly ill with my condition for years and years since I was a teenager, but it only really got bad halfway through my degree. So I went away summer of first year completely like fine in inverted commas came back in second year in a basically in a completely different situation whilst also still having an invisible illness so people couldn't tell just from looking at me what I was going through um and for probably a good chunk of second year I was very much in denial about what I was going through I was like I had this really toxic mindset that I think we all pick up from the media about disability and it's all that kind of oh you can do anything if you put your mind to it if you really try you know you can do anything um so I was kind of in denial about the whole thing and I was adamant that I could just continue on the way I had been um so I thought in part by not telling the people around me that anything had changed I could pretend that nothing had changed right um so like course mates and stuff like my housemates had a better idea of what was going on because I couldn't really hide it from them Mm. but yeah course mates it was um like it was a decision to not tell them but looking back now Um, whilst like you say, there might not have been a great deal that they could realistically do. Um, I don't think I would have needed to have worried so much about like stigma and them not understanding. I think they might have like, um, kind of heard it a a bit better. Um, if that's the right word, but like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would have not been as big of a deal as I'd built it up in my mind to be. I think these things tend to 
get built up in 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 your mind and you tend to like overthink it do do you do you regret almost in that way for not for not telling more people or do or is it just kind of like it happened you move on um a bit of both really because I think um after that point I did start isolating myself from other friendship groups who I'd made like people on my course people in societies I did massively take a step back Whereas if I perhaps had the confidence to be a bit more open about it, I perhaps could have held on to some of those things. Um, but yeah, like it's it was very much a learning curve. And now, I mean, obviously in my line of work, like I'm very much open about my situation. Like everybody knows Absolutely, like yeah. a lot of stuff about me and my health. So it isn't a case where I'm actively having to go out and disclose it as often now. Um, so yeah, it's something that I've learned from. And like, if I were in that kind of situation in the future, I would probably feel a lot more confident in just coming up to people and saying, I have this, it means I struggle to do this, this and this, and you can yeah. help by being or doing this, this and this. And like, it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. We're about to get onto your graduation very, very soon. Um, because obviously that was what eventually you managed to you managed to get through and do and hopefully i will do the same <laughs> who knows we, we don't know what's going on nowadays um but i wondered if you had any sort of almost like a game but not a game like a best and worst we do we do this thing in in uh, university radio york when every time we change position we do like a best worst and funniest and then and then and then we step down um so i wondered i can set you off with one of my own to give you time to think if you need it but um this year specifically uh we we did this thing called student radio awards and every year you submit like a five minute demo basically what i'm doing now um it's just five minutes of like you're presenting your best presenting and you hope to god that you win an award for it and um this year i got shortlisted but didn't win the best music presenter award and honestly, it was the, the the wildest experience of my life. They had tons of people from Radio One and Global and um, uh, so loads of loads of the other like big radio stations around the country, like presenting these awards. And it was just the maddest thing seeing my name on this little like thing saying I'd been nominated. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I didn't win. Um, but but next year, next year, I'm gonna win. We're gonna do it. You are. Um, I can tell. I mean, I'm always right, and I think you're gonna win. So you're. <laughs> But it's completely different presenting to to what I'm doing here. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. But that's amazing. We'll do some best, worst, and funniest if you can think of one. What's a best moment that you recall from university? I might have to save that for funniest. Um, my best and my funniest are very similar. Um, okay. Best. Um... I don't know, maybe it was just realising that I'd got to the end of my degree. Um, and again, not to play into that like inspirational stereotype because I really don't like it, but like just kind of thinking, well, there were all these barriers. People thought I couldn't and shouldn't be doing it, but I kind of did it and I did all right. Um, and just like, um, there was a, about a week after I finished my final lectures, I do remember a moment where I was going about my day doing something else and it just kind of hit me that, oh my gosh, I actually did that. Yeah, um, and that's something I still hear because I was listening to music at the time, and whenever I hear that song now, I think, "Oh my gosh!" It takes me right back to that moment. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my best, even though strictly that. speaking, that's a little bit after. <laughs> <laughs> One of my worst slash funniest. Um, I'll combine it and then try and think of another funny one. Um, but there was a six pint bottle of milk in my fridge that had gone off, and I don't know why I decided to do this, 
But instead of just tipping it down the sink like a normal person, I'm fully outing myself here, by the way. So any people from the C2 block flat in uh, Constantine will, will know about this. Um, instead of just tipping it down the sink like a normal person, um, I decided to pour it out of the window three floors up. And basically what happened was <laughs> it, there's ledges outside of a lot of these blocks, um, like steel bar ledges that go around the building. And it was just smacking this ledge and like spraying all over the windows on the flats below. And um, that's grim. within, <laughs> yeah, this was two years ago when I was in first year. And within five minutes, the entire block group chat was going off because people were freaking out about what was coming down the window and literally for the entire day and the, the week after that was all people could talk about i was so embarrassed because multiple people started this like cleaning project where they had to clean all the windows i felt so bad because i didn't say a word and these people <laughs> had to clean all of these windows and i was so embarrassed and my entire flat were pissing themselves at me someone from the flat below this six foot five like big huge dude came upstairs to our flat walked into our kitchen and literally i was sat in there moments after doing it and there was a few other people who'd saw me do it and he was like wasn't even messing around he was like have you just pulled something out of our window? And literally, I was like so scared. <laughs> I just literally went like, no, no, that must have been that must have been upstairs. It wasn't us. And credit to my flatmates, they backed me up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I bet your life flashed before your eyes at that moment. <laughs> yeah, I was I was sweating. I was absolutely sweating. And it was a terrifying moment and I was so embarrassed about it and regretted it quite a lot um, because it was just one of those stupid things that I just did in the moment and didn't think about whatsoever. And since then, strive to be a better person. Um, you got it out of your system during your student years. At least you didn't do that in your graduate job. That would have been a different story. You've got it out of your system now. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would have been an awkward one to explain. Um, but if you want to combine your worst and funniest, you're welcome to. I'll we'll separate them out. But What's what's the worst or funniest from you? Oh, they're nowhere near as scandalous as your milk situation. <laughs> Honestly, worst was probably just when I'd been drinking and my, this is a very student typical st story. Um, I'd, we'd all been drinking. It was like three in the morning. Um, I'd gone to bed, but my flatmates were playing tennis with a toaster, with a kitchen toaster outside of my flat, you know, like you yeah, do. Um, like and I was like, I was very much attached to that toaster. I'm a very much a toast person. And I think I just had too much to drink and I just started crying because I felt bad for the toaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I was just overtired, but that was, you know, really difficult. I really had to soldier on to, you know, cope with that hardship that I felt on behalf of the toaster. But um no but that my funniest like it it like it was a really low-key thing and I think I said this earlier but some of my absolute highlights from uni weren't like the mad nights out or all of the big things it was very much just um being my being in the house with my housemates and having chilled evenings in yeah um and like the one that always sticks in my mind is my housemate and I feeling a bit, little bit like, ugh, a bit, you know, a bit bored, a bit fed up um, in the evening and just deciding that we were going to throw a birthday party, despite the fact it was no one's birthday. So we oh, went wow. to co-op. 
we uh, we got decorations we decorated the living room we bought ourselves an entire co-op birthday cake each and we just had a really lovely evening of it it was great an entire like, cake I mean, each <laughs> an entire cake each oh co-op cakes though they're like they're like god tier cakes they're the best cakes so, so if anyone is gonna throw um, an impromptu birthday party highly recommend co-ops cakes <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Maybe see see if I can bring something to the house the next term. Oh dear! <laughs> but obviously, now we're going to go on to graduation. Um, that's going to come in later in the year for me next year. Um, and you made it, and you graduated, and you did it. What was your experience? What was your feelings around that event? Were you were you really happy, proud? Um, I feel awful saying this now because I know I, my graduation will have been so much better than people who've had online graduations. I honestly wasn't that bothered about graduation. I really, I honestly, it's really bad. Like I'd already had my kind of like, oh, you did it. Everything's okay moment when I finished my degree. I, and again, like my health was a factor in this. It'd be like naive to say that it wasn't, but I just didn't like the idea of having to go and sit through the ceremony and also having to do the walk across the stage also because I'm a bit vertically challenged at the best of times like I never know when my legs are going to give out and it's me like if anyone was going to fall on the stage it was going to be me I even <laughs> like I wore heels for graduation and I swapped shoes before I did the walk across the stage because I just did not trust myself <laughs> um well yeah no looking back it was nice and it was nice to have like the cap and the gown and you know get the picture and do what you're supposed to do um, so looking back now, and especially like you said, given the fact that a lot of people haven't or won't have that experience, I do feel very lucky to have had it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like graduation was also quite inaccessible for disabled students. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in that area. Um, so it wasn't like, while it was nice to do it and to have that experience, it wasn't like my ultimate highlight of uni. It wasn't like the I did it moment that we perhaps think it's going to be. Right. I, yeah, to be honest, you, 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 graduation happens a lot long after you've actually finished the degree. And so I almost think that you kind of just like, you get there and it's nice to see everyone again. Yeah. But you've kind of already gone through that emotional catharsis of being like, that's it. I'm in the world. You know, you, you, yeah, you pass through yeah. the other side. And they um, like everyone kind of like there's a whole big thing about how like it's typical to like go to the ceremony with your family and then go out for a nice meal afterwards. Whereas the highlight for me was just going in the car on my way home, um, just calling for a Mackey's, just having a Mackey's <laughs> with my parents. Like I was in my posh gown and everything, but like just having a cheeky Mackey's, that was the best bit of the whole thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still doing that to this day, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing in life that can't be solved with a cheeky Mackey's. No, just just putting on the gown and, and the hat again, just to order some Mackey's. <laughs> I should make that a thing, definitely. When I'm having yeah. a low day, just relive it. Just another Instagram post, why not? Or, t <laughs> or TikTok or something wild like that. <laughs> but since graduating, obviously, what would you say that, that people generally maybe didn't understand about your illness whilst at university? Any sort of interactions that you may have had? Or maybe that people still don't understand about it now? Yeah, um, ME is... Oh, there's still so much work to be done. People think they understand what ME is, um, but they often have quite a flawed perception of it. Yeah, so the thing with ME is that it is there is a lot of stigma around the illness and a lot of people um, think they understand what the illness is when in fact they have quite a skewed perception of it. And something that's rung true all through my experience at uni and everything that's come afterwards is that people don't realise how much of a spectrum there is within ME as an illness. So somebody least ill or like mildly ill, whilst their life still is significantly affected, they might be able to work 
full-time and have a social life whereas people on the very severe end of the spectrum um i have friends who haven't been able to get out of their beds for over five years um they're tube fed wow. they can't speak it's very it's a whole it's almost like a whole other illness while still being the same diagnosis yeah so the thing i'm always keen to say when people find out that i was a student and i have me is that there is so much variability so there is no way you can look at one person with me and feel that that's feel like everybody else with me has the same experience because even within the symptoms it just varies so much so it's very much a case of like looking at individuals rather than looking at one person and thinking that you magically understand everything about everyone with the illness yeah it's 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 mad that, that it can be such a varied experience of the same illness across the you know across the board but you've already slightly touched on this question um but if there's any other points that you've got to make um you're not a spokesperson, obviously, for all people suffering from your illness. Um, but is there any bits of advice that you'd give to people who are suffering from this illness or other illnesses, um, just in terms of general life, about maybe maintaining a positive mindset or setting achievable goals? What what advice would you give, and should they maybe share their story like you have? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think um, because people are so different, like I don't think you should necessarily feel obliged to share your story or feel like that's something that you have to do to be valid. But if you find power and comfort in doing that, um, I can only speak for myself, but like beginning to be more open about my experiences has changed my life for the better. It's shaped my career. It's again, not to sound too stereotypical, but it has, it has shaped who I am as a person. So I think my best advice would be, I mean, I'm still trying to remind myself of, of this now, but there's very much nobody's path to follow but your own, especially mm. when you're dealing with a chronic illness. Um, so it can be very easy to look at the people around you and compare yourself and think, oh, I'm not doing things like them, so I must be a failure. When at the end of the day, like your life is very much your own. It's all about finding what works for you and your own situation. And it took me years and years to figure that out. And it's something that I still forget now. Um, and then the other thing I would say, um, again, very much rooted in my own experiences, I know how often it can feel like nobody sees how hard you're trying and how hard you're working. Um, it can feel like nobody actually realizes just how difficult you're finding things and how much you want things to be better. But please hang in there because even if it's not now, your time is coming, your time will come. So if, if you're a student or if you're just like going about your life and you're really struggling like it's not naive to think that things can and do get better um and like my quality of life now is a million miles away from what it once was so i it's not naive to have hope is what i would say wow that was awesome it's like oh that, thanks that's perked me up today that i hope that's perked up people listening because that has perked me up thanks for coming to my ted talk <laughs> <laughs> inspirational speaker you need to do you need to do more video content <laughs> don't encourage me <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we're going to wrap it up here thank you so much for coming on and joining me I hope you've enjoyed yourself whether this is the first podcast you've been on I'm not sure but I hope you've enjoyed it and for people watching on YouTube there'll be plenty of highlights to hopefully look forward to from this episode and if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Music make sure to follow us on those and give us a good rating on Apple Music because it helps get us up those charts as it were um but thank you so much, Pippa. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me.